0: Every week, the Orange Fizz team breaks down the five most pressing questions about Syracuse athletics. Holy cow, what a big time defensive play!
1: No holds barred. I paid the fool. It's the Fizz 5. five.
0: Five! 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 Welcome into this week's edition of Fizz Five. So glad to be with you along with Ethan Frank. I'm John Eads taking a break from me and Unsworth this week. My typical partner, uh, I got to be honest, Ethan, a much-needed break at that. I right man. Good to be
1: with you. Yeah, it, it's good to be with you. I, I'm glad I am the vacation you needed from Ian. <laughs> I'm hoping to provide you everything. You know, a typical vacation provides you rest, relaxation, rejuvenation. That's what I'm here for you this week, John.
0: we're getting plenty of that because Syracuse men's basketball, not in March Madness. Syracuse football, not playing right now. Although I am feeling a little bit stressed out, Ethan, about this lacrosse team. We'll get into them a little bit later. And we'll even talk about who the next Syracuse men's basketball coach should be. Ethan's got some ideas for that. But we're going to start with basketball. Recently announced, Jesse Edwards is returning for his senior season. Now, that should come as no surprise because what would he do besides maybe go play overseas or transfer to another program? Besides come back, but this is big news for Syracuse, Ethan, because I think if SU had Jesse Edwards towards the end of the season last year, they could have perhaps gone on a magical run and made the NCAA tournament. They
1: could be playing tonight. Yeah, uh, Jesse Edwards was a key to the Syracuse season. Jim Bayheim said it. If you remember, he went on first take last week. When does Jim Bayheim go on first take? He, he, he was complaining that nobody in Syracuse wanted to talk to him. So he went on and talked with Stephen A. And he said, he said that we lost our center when we were on a four game winning streak. And, and that kind of derailed the season. And if you look in the matchups post to that, they played the top four teams in the standings in the conference, all who had big men who dominated against Syracuse. Mark Williams, Paul Atkinson, Armando Bacon all played really well against the origin side. And I think you have to attribute a lot of that to the loss of Jesse Edwards. It's massive that he's coming back. I don't think it's a surprise. And that is what the article said as well. But That is welcome for a Syracuse team that really struggled defensively. Jesse Edwards was your best defensive player. I I don't think anyone's going to argue against that. He was in the top 20 in the country in block percentage. He was really good in the back of that zone, and he's only going to keep getting better, getting stronger, and more comfortable in the Syracuse scheme.
0: I think he would have won ACC most improved player had he not gotten injured. Instead, it went to a guy from NC State. I think, was it uh, Darion Seabro? Yeah, Darion Seabro. Yeah. I think it would have been Edwards had he finished out the season the way he was playing because the jump he took from his sophomore to junior season was unbelievable. You talk about his defensive skills, the offensive skills, what impressed me most was his ability to facilitate the basketball and move it around at that five position. It was pretty clear when he was not in the game and it was Frank Anselm and Barama Sidibe at the five, this offense just did not look the same. It really relied too much upon the shooting of Joe Girard and Cole Swider and Buddy Behan. Now, it did look a little more crisp with Samir Torrance in the game, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> the point is, with Jesse Edwards, this team is monumentally better on both ends of the floor, and I'm excited to see what kind of a jump he could take next season. Is there anything that you want to see him improve on in his senior year?
1: I think it's playing within the pick and roll because we saw him really develop, you know, a better job of catching the ball on the move or still in that triple threat position and making a play specifically in that Louisville game. I remember writing a piece back in February about how effective Jesse Edwards was catching the ball when the lead ball handler, either Gerard Torrance or Buddy Bayheim was double teamed and trapped after a screen from Jesse Edwards. He did a great job, both finding open shooters and finishing at the rim for himself. So if he can become even more consistent and more of a force in a pick and roll offense, which is something that Jim Bayheim has run a lot of in recent seasons with the guards he's had and the personnel he's used, I think Jesse Edwards can be absolutely dynamic on offense. And he averaged 12 points a game like that is a lot of points for a Syracuse center. The, the center position is not one that usually has most of the scoring load for Syracuse. And mm-hmm. I think he can get even up to maybe that 13 or 14 point range. If he continues to finish at the rim, he develops. and I'm not saying that Jesse Edwards needs to develop a jump shot, but if he can just become more consistent, finish through contact, get better at the free throw line that can go up incrementally and that can make a huge difference in the long run. So it's playing within the offense, I think is what would be essential for Jesse Edwards to really take that leap as a senior.
0: For me, I'd like to see him rebound the basketball a little bit better and at a higher clip, I guess, because Cole Swider led this team in rebounds as the four, sometimes he even played the three, and I know it's difficult to lead the team in rebounding as the center in his zone defense, but for me, I'd love it if he was a little more physical on the defensive glass. He's pretty physical on the offensive glass, but I want to see more of that on the defensive side. But again, it's Ethan Frank and John Eads with you here on this week's edition of Fizz 5. Closing out our first topic about Jesse Edwards returning Diesel, I want to ask you this. We call Ethan Frank Diesel, by the way. It's just his nickname. So deal with it. I don't know. Is (laughs) Jesse Edwards a top four center in the ACC? So first team, second team, third team, honorable mention. Does he make any of those lists next year?
1: It's tough because you, you would assume that Mark Williams is gone from Duke. You don't know about Baycott from UNC. If Baycott comes back, I think it is safe to put Armando Baycott ahead of Jesse Edwards. But then you also realize that Duke has the number one player in the 2022 recruiting class in Derek Lively, who is a center. So he could potentially come in and be better than Jesse Edwards. And, and frankly, no pun intended, I don't know enough about other recruiting classes, but if you look at the centers that are in the ACC now and ones that could stick around for next year, I think he is in that top four. So if Baycott is not back, I think it is 100% that Jesse Edwards is in there, but if Baycott's back, it might get a little hairy. What okay. do you think? What do you think?
0: I agree. I don't think Baycott comes back. I'm not sure there's much for him to come back to, especially the way UNC is playing down right. the stretch here. What if this ends up in a final four run, maybe a national championship run? I'm not sure there's much back, much for Baycott to benefit from coming back. There's not much more he can add to his game, I don't think. He's not a jump shooter. Right. He's, He's just, just a bruiser. Yeah. Yeah. Vacuums rebounds and gets puts back, put backs in the close range baskets. So I don't think he comes back. And if he doesn't come back, then I do think Edwards is a top four center in the ACC. Even if the media doesn't think so, just the impact that he'll have for Syracuse warrants that kind of attention, top four, in my opinion. So yeah, I agree. Jesse, Jesse Edwards back for Syracuse for next year. He might have one more year as well uh, with that COVID situation. But one player that could be a future Syracuse center is Quincy Ballard. And this is our second topic here on Fizz Five. Reminder, you can find our stuff at orangefizz.net, at orangefizz on Twitter. So Quincy Ballard, such a New York native, this time last year spurned Syracuse, committed to Florida State, goes down there, plays one year, doesn't get a whole lot of playing time. but did play 13 minutes here in the Dome earlier this season, and he's in the transfer portal looking for a new home. Syracuse really heavily recruited him out of high school, this could be a good fit.
1: It all depends on if Frank Anselm stays or goes. I think if Frank Anselm stays, he'd be third on the depth chart, right? So if Frank Anselm goes, then you have a need for a backup center because I don't think Peter Carey is coming, coming in and is able to fill that backup role behind Edwards. So it all depends on Frank Anselm. If Anselm stays, I don't think you need to go after a center. But if Anselm decides to bolt and enter his name in the portal, then I think you do need to go look for a guy that can back up Jesse because you know that Edwards is prone to foul trouble and you're hey. going to need someone to spell him.
0: How about jean Jacques, man? Can't sleep on him.
1: When did jo- John Bullock did not play one minute of center this year? He only pl- he played exclusively forward. I have, you know, I'm going to save it. Jo- I-, I have a lot of words about John Bullock, Jack, but this is about Quincy Ballard. I think Quincy Ballard is a fit. I mean, he's seven feet tall. So, Eric, yep. he- he's long, he's athletic. He'd be a good fit, but I think it all depends on the current personnel if they decide to stick around.
0: I'd agree because Anselm still has multiple years of eligibility right. left. He's got Ballard three yeah, he's got 3
1: years left. Yeah.
0: 3 years left. Ballard has what, four? Roughly, yeah, I think 3, yeah. Season. 3, yeah. Yeah, so I think Syracuse will definitely give him a look. Ian and I actually discussed this whole Frank Anselm thing a couple of weeks back. Um, I didn't think he would transfer. I think Ian said he would. Uh, but that's interesting. I didn't think about it from that perspective. Um, I'm I'm with you though. I think if Anselm does transfer and find
1: a new home, Syracuse needs that second option. They, right. They you're right. They they should be in the market for a backup big if Anselm does decide to leave.
0: Yeah, maybe because he is that guy, right. but it's just too much of a gamble. And he's, a, he's a
1: project, yeah. He's at least a year, maybe two yeah. away.
0: Ballard kind of is too, but he has the college ready body, plus already right. got some experience too. So it's a it's a win-win for both parties.
1: I agree. Yeah, it, it just all depends. Uh, it's a waiting game at this point with the portal. Um, it's interesting that nobody from Sy- is there, we haven't heard anything besides this Jesse Edwards. Obviously we know that Buddy and Jimmy are gone, but I think once we hear a decision from Cole Swider is when all the dominoes are going to start to fall for Syracuse. I think he is that first domino that will fall and that will lead to all the other dominoes falling. What do you think about that? Well, this isn't a Fizz 5 topic, but do you think he comes back? Cause I think he does. Personally. I, I think he does too, based on everything we heard first, it was, no, I'm not coming back. Then, oh maybe, Morris, oh, maybe, oh, maybe I will come back. Oh, I was playing really well at the end of the season. Maybe I should come back. Yeah. So, I think it's definitely trending in that direction. But, but bringing it all back, Syracuse will need a backup center and, and they'll need a forward because if Cole Swider doesn't come back, then Syracuse's most senior forward would be Benny Williams. <laughs> think, just, about that that. Yeah, think about that. Sound good. Yeah, think about that. So, you know, maybe it's for the best if Cole Swider decides to come back.
0: So we'll have continued coverage on Quincy Ballard, his decision where he ends up going. I'd imagine the decision would come within the next couple of weeks because you want to start getting going with that new team and getting summer training going and whatnot. I fully expect Syracuse to at least reach out and try to re-recruit him and see what the deal is, see what his interest level is. Again, this is his home. Right. CNY is his home. Syracuse is here, of course. So I think he will give SU a real decent look and we'll have to see what kind of dominoes will fall with Cole Swider and uh, Frank Anselm. But let's transition from basketball for now. We'll get back to basketball later to the football field. Syracuse spring game coming up actually one week from today, 7 p.m. April 1st. It's April Fool's Day, Diesel. Uh, no, it's <laughs> not a prank. They are going to play a spring game. It will be televised, ACC Network. So check it out. But I want to know from you what your biggest question about this team is right now. For me, it's pretty simple. What are you thinking?
1: I'm just really interested in this offense. I I think it's pretty – I'm really interested in the passing game. You bring in a new offensive coordinator. You bring in a new quarterbacks coach. We obviously know what Sean Tucker can do in the backfield and out of the backfield. But it's how does Garrett Schrader improve? Uh, what does Dan Vellari bring and who steps up at wide receiver? Uh, We saw big plays from Damian Alford last year, uh, Bambi. And uh, (laughs) you, you had Courtney Jackson step up. You still got Anthony Quigley or are there other guys step up? Uh, You got Gadsden who may be coming on. Mm -hmm. There are some other freshmen hatch. I, it's Amari, Hatcher. Amari Hatcher. Yeah. So there are some young guys that maybe they, that didn't really get some time last year or are coming in now that are freshmen. You got CJ Hall as well from Michigan State. So they brought in some new guys to this room. They reinvigorated this coaching staff. Sterling Gilbert's gone, which I, I think a lot of people can Raise say. is a, yeah, It's a great thing that Sterling Gilbert's gone, but I'm really interested to see the improvement from Garrett Schrader, because I, I think we can all say that Garrett Schrader's passing game, except for against Virginia Tech, was right. pretty subpar last year. So for me, I'm watching the offense and specifically the passing game, especially against the strength of your team, which might be your secondary.
0: All right, that's fair, but I want to ask you this. Can you name... Three defensive linemen <laughs> on this Syracuse team right now. Uh, Can you name three?
1: Caleb Okachukwu.
0: That's one. <laughs>
1: uh, hold on, give you, hold on, hold on. This is the problem. So, Can you think of any more? I give you ten seconds here. Um, is, is Curtis Harper still there?
0: No, he's gone. He's an right. actor now.
1: Okay, he's gone. I don't know oh, why. That's the only. Um. Oh, uh, Knowlton. Fr- Francois Nolton, Francois yeah, freshman who just came out of high school. Okay, it, 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 he's fresh on the mind. No, fr- it, it's
0: That's an eligible answer, but that's the problem, Diesel. Right, yeah, yeah, Here, I, I see your problem. Nobody on the defensive line. They have Caleb Okachukwu, Terry Lockett, who will play DTAC oh, yeah, a little Terry. bit last year, yeah. and they have Kevin Darton, a couple guys behind them as well. But other than that, they're relying on freshmen this year. Dino yeah. Babers and this staff did nothing in the transfer portal. They brought nobody in. I don't know who the heck they're going to trot out there for this starting defensive line. They lost everybody. They have nobody to fill. I think that's the biggest question easily with this football team. So what,
1: you, so, what you're saying is Sean Tucker's going to run for 300 yards in this spring game?
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think this, uh, the over, whatever it is, even if it's 200, take it. Okay. Maybe that's a little disrespectful. <laughs> the, the defense is actually really good. Aside yeah. from the D line this year, right. everybody's back at linebacker. Everybody's back in the secondary. They did a great job bringing guys in to the secondary yep. from the defensive portal, yep. but I, I don't know if they just forgot that defensive line is a pretty critical position in football because they added nobody except a bunch of
1: freshmen who, in my opinion, aren't ready to play at a high level. I, I agree with that. Yeah. That is a huge problem, especially against teams in the ACC that have those. I mean, the, the, the offensive lines of the ACC are, way have outclassed Syracuse for years when they've had at mm-hmm. least a semi, you know, decent defensive line. And now if you're looking at one that's really inexperienced and undersized, I think the run defense is going to be a huge problem up front. But what, what do you think about the pass rushers on defense as well? Because
0: they have pass rushers, right? They, like I think, Marlo Wax, yeah. Mikel Jones does a little bit of pass rushing, and Stephon Thompson even a little bit. They have Steve Linton, the guy who's like an edge rusher, pass rushing specialist. And they have Francois Nolten and uh, Dennis Haquez, who they just brought in uh, as a freshman as well in this pass recruiting class. But in a three-three-five Diesel, you don't really want those specialized pass rushers. What you need are mm-hmm. every down linemen right. that can rush the passer but also plug the run gaps. Now, you can tinker with it and use them. It's, it's a three-three-five, so you could, per se, um, move a linebacker back to the secondary, bring in an extra nickel back, I guess. And slot Steve Litton in there, but yeah. Steve Litton's not a three-down defensive lineman. He's just not. He's a pure outside linebacker, edge rusher type. And he hasn't really proven much as well at this point in his career right. either. So it, it when it, when it comes to the defensive line, massive question mark. Can't yeah, get any bigger.
1: It, it's either basically what you're going to have to hope for is that your back. So what is it? Your 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 back eight yep. carries you. Yep. And you're able to score a lot of points on offense like going back to the to the first few Dino Babers offenses at Syracuse when they were scoring you know points in bunches playing at a really fast pace Mm -hmm. and then you're going to need your secondary to hold up on third down if you even get to third down who knows if if this run defense is even able to stop on first and second down but I think that's what the strategy has to be with the way they've handled this defensive line
0: John Eads and Ethan Frank with you here on Fizz 5, getting fired up about football because I think both Ethan and myself could have recruited a better D-line than the one that is currently at Syracuse. And I know it's a tough situation (laughs) because you had Josh Black, you had McKinley-Williams, Kingsley-Jonathan last year. And And Cody Cody, Cody Roscoe. Cody Roscoe as well. They're all gone. I don't know why Curtis Harper left personally. He went to Akron when he could be starting at Syracuse. But, I don't know, that's another topic for another time. SU is going to need all ACC type play from all of their linebackers this year to help with that run defense because I think that's going to be the biggest struggle with this team. The offense, for me, I understand there's some questions with it, but if it's about as good as it was last year, if not just a little bit better, I think this team will be just fine because I like the coordinators. The offense is going to play to its strengths with what the personnel, uh, with the personnel that it has. And I think the biggest thing that SU needs to clean up now and work on and try to fix if they can. Is that D-line? Is that run defense? Because it's been a problem for the entirety of Tony White's system here as a defensive coordinator.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's for me, I'm most curious to see that passing game on offense. But obviously, the most glaring question comes on that defensive line. I, I don't think you could argue that.
0: All right, let's stay on Ernie Davis' Legends field, but instead talk about some Syracuse men's lacrosse. The team is in an interesting spot right now, three and four on the year, no wins against ranked teams. In fact, all their losses are against ranked teams, but a great opportunity this weekend to pick up a ranked win against Duke. What are the biggest things this team needs to improve diesel as we're about midway through the season and ACC play is about to get,
1: you know, getting going here. Well, it's the third top 10 opponent Syracuse will face this uh, so far this season. And there are just a few more coming down the pike. So it doesn't get any easier from here, but I think you have to look at what they said after that last game. And I know you were there, so you can touch on it a little bit more, but it was clearing the ball. Brett Kennedy talked about it after the game. That's something they've worked on or that's something they've struggled with really is a lot of the last few games. I remember watching the game when I was down in Charlottesville against Virginia, they were absolutely awful getting the ball out of their own end of the field. And that's why even after they were able to come back and close that deficit to three or four they were still getting stops. They just weren't getting the ball out of their own zone. Hmm. And, and it's all about getting the ball in the hands of your playmakers on offense, I think. It's that defensive to offensive transition is yeah. really what is key for Syracuse, I think, to be able to score goals. Because you saw what happens when you get the ball in Tucker Dordovic's hands against Stony Brook. And if you could, obviously, Duke is not Stony Brook. <laughs> I don't think anybody's mistaking that but getting the ball from defense to offense, I think is the biggest part thing that I'm looking for. What about yourself? I don't
0: think clearing has been that big of an issue, at least recently. Um, and they're starting to get more of those, those transition looks. And that's where this team is most dangerous. The problem is you're getting those looks against Stony Brook and right. not against Johns Hopkins, not against Maryland, not against Virginia, because they're not going to give you those opportunities. They're not going to let you get out and run. They're going to make sure they get back and negate any fast break chances for me the biggest improvement has to be and kind of has been showing itself a little bit lately is this defense. I do Fizz film review articles each week. If you can check out at orangefizz.net. And I love those. They're great. I appreciate it. I enjoy making them. Um, I'm starting to pinpoint some of the improvements that have been made with this unit. And really it's not so much about X's and O's it's about Jimmy's and Joe's, Nick, Cicamo, <laughs> Yale transfer, red shirt, freshman, the best on ball defender that this team has He's going to cover Brennan O'Neill this weekend. He covered Kevin Mack and Dylan Palinetti last week, Stony Brook's best players. This guy will take a player and completely shut him out of the game because he's so good on ball. He will not let anybody dodge and beat him to the rack. He forces them to make plays with other players in the field. They haven't had that all season. Now they finally do with Kakema. What they need to do is figure out the other positions now. Yeah. Brett Kennedy has really, really struggled this season. I'm not very high on Brett Kennedy. I saw a uh, projection the other day, top five defenders in terms of the PLL draft or whatever coming up at the end of the season. Kennedy's number five. I don't know why. Guys, I just watched the film, and I see what he does wrong. He doesn't play with high effort. He doesn't have any awareness. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know where the slides are. And this is a fifth-year player. This is a guy that's played so much lacrosse at Syracuse, and he still just doesn't get it. So I don't understand what all the hype is about, about about Brett Kennedy, but he's someone that certainly has to play better if Syracuse wants to pick up some big wins here down the
1: stretch. So I feel like I haven't heard of Nick Kakamo's name since until recently. Mm-hmm. Was he not playing the first few games of the season? No, honey,
0: he was on the bench, man. Right, uh, I, I was. Sanerigo saying because, was
1: playing. Right, exactly. Of- That's what's so confusing because I, I remember you know hearing you. You look at these guys around the league. And and you see at Virginia what Cole Kastner did to Tucker Dordovic. And you see these guys at Notre Dame, at Duke, what Maryland did to Tucker Dordovic in the second half after he played really well in the first half. The defenders, they have. Why wasn't Nick Cicamo out there guarding Joshua Shnowskis? Why wasn't Nick Cicamo out there guarding Matt Moore or Colin Schellenberger against Virginia? Like, Is there anything?
0: I have no idea. I'm not Dave Petromala. I'm not there at practice. I can't make these decisions, but from what I've seen, this guy should have been starting from day one. It's, it's unbelievable to me.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that Yeah, It's the defense and what they 19 combined goals, the last two games, so pretty good. Yeah, no, that is pretty good. Uh, they would but, give that up in one game beginning of the season. <laughs> but uh, Duke has scored double figures in every game this season. They've already played 11 games, which is kind of crazy. That's a lot yeah. of games so far here for late March. So it's going to be a much tougher test. You know, I was looking through the numbers this morning. Duke has four players with over 30 points already this year. Syracuse has just one. Well,
0: but, but you got to think about it. Duke's played 11 games, right? That's true. They right. played seven. Now, SU doesn't really have three guys that will put up 30 points. It's really just Curry and Dordovic. And then, yeah. you know, Owen Siebold ships in. Um, Lucas Quinn ships in. I don't, Mikey Berkman, I'm running yeah. out of names here. It's yeah. really <laughs> those two and everybody else for this offense. Um, Duke's good. They're coming off a loss to Loyola, Maryland, the game in which they were down 12-3 at one point. Now, they came back and went on a big late run to make it a little more respectable. But this team lacks options. I like Syracuse in this matchup, Diesel. Because Nick Kikema will cover really? Brendan well, and it's going to force other players to make plays. Interesting. And from what I saw from the SU defense last game, it wasn't great, but it was good enough, I think, to win this game, compounded with what Brendan Curry and Tucker Jordan could do to this Duke defense, which I don't think
1: is very good. All right. I, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm impressed by your optimism. So I guess our one final lacrosse question, that who, who's starting in goal? Bobby Gavin. Next question. You're convinced it's Bobby Gavin? Yep.
0: Dudes had three different double-digit save games. Harrison Thompson has had zero, and he's had opportunities to start. I watched that Hopkins film back. Four or five goals he should have saved. Gavin would have saved him. Stick side high shots, not reading planes, not reading trajectories. Harrison Thompson's not there yet. Bobby Gavin's
1: my guy. Roll with him. All right. It's confirmed. Bobby Gavin is John Eads' guy. Do you have a counter argument
0: or are you
1: going with Gavin too? No, I I agree with that. I I looked into the numbers this morning as well. Gavin has played in every game this season. It feels like there have been games where he hasn't played. You know, he started the army game, barely played in that one. Thompson closed it. Thompson got a start in one game, but Gavin has appeared in all seven games. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's pretty easy to see where Gary Gates leading, but, it is a little interesting that through seven games he is still not trying to show his cards. <laughs> it's I still an interesting think
0: it's Gavin. I, I think it's Gavin. Gates said it was kind of like a check-in for him last game. Yeah. Pretty darn good check-in. Yeah, in I, I, <laughs> yeah. uh, tied his career high with 13 saves. Can't get much better than that. And no. it's not like they were just like cherry pick ring pop saves. Like these were big, big time saves against a Stony Brook offense that leads the America East Conference in goals. I was really impressed. I think Bobby Gavin's the guy.
1: All right. I'm with you. Bobby Gavin's the guy.
0: And you can let us know what you think. Orangefizz.net. Leave us a comment um, on one of our articles there. Or you can tweet at us. at tweet at us. On Twitter. I know Ethan likes to rile up the people. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, And you're about to do that right now because we're going to go back to basketball talk here. And you're doing a little series right now. Yeah. should be the next SU coach, and you started with Adrian Autry. Give us your case.
1: So – There's a lot to like about Adrian Autry, and and I'm going to pull up the article because I want to make sure I don't forget anything that I wrote. But if you look at the Syracuse position that has been the most successful over the last decade, it has been wing players. It has been forwards. And who does Adrian Autry coach? And that would be the forwards. Look at who's in the NBA. Jeremy Grant. Elijah Hughes. O'Shea Brissett. Malachi Richardson was a first round pick. Tyler Lydon was a 1st round pick. That's five guys right there who were all under the tutelage of Adrian Autry. And, and there are obviously many more. But you look at the guys he's brought in and you look at how they've developed. Malachi was the only one-year player, and obviously that was because he had an awesome tournament. But you look at Grant, the leap he took from freshman to sophomore year. I am I don't want to get too optimistic, but I think it is realistic that Benny Williams could take the same leap that Jeremy granted and become an NBA draft pick. He has the tools. He has the athleticism, both from the same area of the country, that DMV area down near the nation's capital, Adrian Autry. You know what else, you know, where he's from? He's from New York. You know, where Syracuse hasn't recruited recently, New York, the Northeast. Yeah. I think Adrian Autry can bring back the Northeast recruiting base. He was, his career gets overlooked. Adrian Autry had a really, really strong playing career. And just because he's not Jerry McNamara, he didn't win an NCAA title. He didn't go to a final four. He was first team all big East as a senior, averaging almost 17 points and six assists a game as a starting point guard at Syracuse. And surrounded by great players played with Lawrence Moten. There were plenty of guys on those teams. But Adrian Autry, he's the longest tenured assistant on the SU bench right now. I think there are a lot of things he brings to the table. And I think he would be great to be the next circuit head coach. And obviously, I'm gonna go on and make the argument for Jerry McNamara for Mike Hopkins, maybe some some ooh, you know, ooh maybe some surprise candidates. <laughs> but I'll tease McNamara and Hopkins for now. But I think Autry, there's a reason he was the first one I wrote about. It's because he is the associate head coach. It is because he is the longest tenured assistant, and it is because he's done a really good job developing players for Syracuse who may have come in as lower-rated recruits but have left at after having a high-caliber ACC career. What, what do you think about Adrian Autry, John?
0: Lots of like there. I didn't even think about some of the things you brought up between the recruiting and then the wing development. Um, so you make a really strong case and the fact that he's the longest tenured assistant coach there as well, I think, uh, is something to think about as well. Uh, I, I really have no qualms with that at all. Honestly, I, I think all the options you laid out, maybe not Mike Hopkins between Jerry McNamara and Adrian Autry. You got two very good options. Yeah. Even Alan Griffin too. You didn't mention him, but he's another potential guy that could get this job. Um, I want to know, are there any cons with
1: Adrian Autry getting a job as opposed to Jerry McNamara or uh, Alan Griffin? I, I just think he's not that well-known to the outside world. People know in college basketball who Jerry McNamara is. Like the casual fan remembers Jerry McNamara. I I think it's a little bit of that, you know, Hubert Davis. Like not a lot of people, the casual fan does not remember Hubert Davis. And I think Adrian Autry would fall into that same category. So I I think, you know, there were doubts about Hubert Davis at the middle of the season. And now look what North Carolina is doing. I I think it is very, very likely Syracuse follows the same route that North Carolina does when Jim Boeheim retires and goes in house. Um, But I, I think it's all about, you know, the name recognition and bringing Syracuse back because that's what needs to happen. Syracuse, is in a swoon right now, and there's no denying that. Someone needs to bring Syracuse back to be a perennial top 25 team, a top five seed, top four seed in the NCAA tournament, and the casual fan just doesn't know Adrian Autry. But once they do get to know Adrian Autry is, I think, a little bit of what you're seeing with Hubert Davis right now is that, you know, once they prove it on the court, then you'll be all in on Adrian Autry. So I I think that's the only con right now, You could also make the argument that his players are not that successful in the NBA, but you know, at least they got there.
0: (laughs) That's the NBA's problem. That's not a country's problem. You just got to get them there. Right? Exactly. That's good stuff. Well, you can find more of Ethan's articles and my articles at orangefizz.net at orangefizz. Feel free to give us your thoughts on if we sound like idiots or if we sound like the smartest people ever. I mean, we'd love to hear both sides before we go. Ethan, I want to know who's your final four. Who's your national champion.
1: All right. I'm going with Gonzaga. Kansas, Arizona, and UCLA.
0: Wow, I don't think I have aside from Kansas. I don't have any of those teams in my final four. I have Duke, I have Purdue, I have Houston, and I have Kansas with Duke winning it all.
1: I'm, I'm I I am pulling for Houston. I'm in a pool. I got Houston. Houston's <laughs> my team right now.
0: It's looking good. One of the best yeah. coach teams in America year after year. Syracuse would love a little bit of that. We got a nice yeah. little taste of Houston oh, basketball yeah. last year, unfortunately. But it's yeah. neither here nor there. That's all for Ethan, Frank, and myself in this week's edition of Fizz 5. Again, you can catch all of our articles weekly, basketball coverage, football coverage, even lacrosse coverage, orangefizz.net, at orangefizz on Twitter. We'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. And that's your Fizz 5. Listen next week. Subscribe, rate, and review. This has been an Orange Fizz production.